Good morning. It's always an honor standing before you and most privileged to share the word of the good Lord. I say thank you first to God of this moment and thank you for Wayne for giving me the opportunity to serve you in my little way. It is my prayer that we will find the lesson that I would deliver this morning. We'll find them useful and helpful for our spiritual needs. And may the Lord help me that through his words everyone may strengthen in the faith that once delivered for all. The sermon prepared somehow related to the month of December, but I don't believe that December is the birth month of Jesus and December 25 is the birthday. However, we cannot deny the fact that once in the history of mankind, God sent his Son for all of us. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and for those who believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The title of the sermon is a question, what is a wrap-up in Christ? In the pages of the scriptures, several baby boys' births stand out. <clears throat> Cain, the firstborn after creation, Isaac, the hope of Israel's future, Samuel, the answer to a mother's fervent prayer. All extremely important, all joyously expected, and all described exactly the same by the chroniclers of the scriptures. In its case, we are told that the mother conceived and bore a son. That is in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, Genesis 21 verse 2 to 3, and 1 Samuel chapter 1 in verse 20. Consider the birth of Jesus. The description was greatly described, and a few words were not enough to tell of Jesus' birth. In many of the prophecies, we were told where he would be born that his mother would be a virgin and that he was coming to save his people from their sins. In the New Testament, we were given such key information as what his name would be and why. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give his name Jesus, because his, he will save his people from their sins. Where he was born in fulfillment of prophecy in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6, and says, But you, Bethlehem, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people. 
and how both his birth mother and his adoptive father were part of God's plan. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Jesus' birth stands above all words. His coming changed the world and changed our lives. It is still December. As it happens, the Yuletide season marks the beginning of winter. December is the beginning of our colder season and we need wraps such as coats, sweaters, clothing, outerwear to keep us warm. In a way, the tradition of our Christmas clothing goes back to the story of the birth of Jesus who was identified by his clothing. In Luke chapter 2 in verse 12 says, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in the clothes and lying in a manger. The practice dates which back to antiquity with babies were tightly binds of cloth that kept them from moving and helped them keep them warm. In the case of our Lord Jesus, Mary was abiding by the common customs of her day. Perhaps the bands of clothing around Jesus protect his tender newborn skin from the sharp points of the straw hay on which he must have been laid. In the same way, 33 years later, after he was pierced and crucified, he was again wrapped up in clothes of his spice laden shroud. In both birth and his death, our Lord was all wrapped up in enveloping yards of linen, as the story of this mission goes from swaddling clothes to grave clothes and from the womb of a virgin to the tomb of a rich man and from life to death to life everlasting. If Jesus was all wrapped up at both birth and death, what is wrapped up in him? What do we find when we unwrap the meaning of this mission and the presentation of his message? The answer is, in a cold world, he could wrap us, he can wrap us in the swaddling clothes of forgiveness, hope, peace, joy. He is eager for us to unwrap all gifts of grace he brought down from heaven for us. I will discuss these four offer or gifts to us, one at a time. This morning, we will unwrap his gifts to all of us. First to unwrap is forgiveness. What is this all about? The phrase to forgive according to Webster is to give up resentment against or the desire to punish, pardon an offense and offender. In the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, there are three words for forgiveness. One means to cover, another means to lift away, and the third means to send away. And in the New Testament, forgiveness is the separation of sinner from his sins through the sacrifice of Christ and upon the ground of grace. A little boy being asked what forgiveness is gave a beautiful answer. He said, It is the odor that flowers breath when they are trampled upon. 
Over the years, we Christians shared the gospel with many people and some have refused to believe. There's a God or that God loves them or that Christ died for them or rose again. But there is one aspect of the gospel message that everyone believes. As mentioned by Darwin, that we are sinners. We have scarcely ever met a person who claimed perfection for themselves. We are all aware of our faults and failures. We all have regrets. We all made mistakes and acted unwisely. According to the Bible, these are the things that separate us from the perfection and glory of God. Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2. Sin has been discouraged to mankind. The universality of sin is a reality. From Adam's sin in Eden to this present sin. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Wherefore as by one man sin enter into the world, and death by sin and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And the tragic, of trans- and the tragic end of transgression is also stated in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4 and 20. Says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. For emphasis, this is given twice. The penalty is clearly stated in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The whole race of men was under condemnation. You will find no exception today. As King Solomon said in 1 Kings chapter 8 in verse 46, There is no man that sinneth not. To sinful man, forgiveness becomes the most important problem in his life. But God is asking in Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11, he said, Turn ye from your evil ways, and for, and for why will you die, O Israel? God is still asking, why will you die? In every way, God demonstrated his love. Ours is not the vindictive God. He is ready to forgive our transgressions and sins. But how? That is the question, but how? He forgives our transgression. In prophecy, it was declared of the Christ. Isaiah 53, verse 5 to 6. Says, He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Herein lay the purpose of Christ coming, to bear our sins and transgressions, and thus it was promised of Mary. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, And shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus came to bear the punishments of our sins. So we can be fully and freely forgiven by God, reconciled to him and restored to his eternal one who gives us access to eternal life. King David in the book of Psalms extols God's forgiveness. In Psalms 32 in verse 1 he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. We can have that blessing for it is offered unto all who humbly obey the Lord. Sin is man's predicament. 
And the cure is explained in Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 to 27 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. When one puts Christ on in baptism, he has put off all his sins. There is where Jesus saves us from sin. Have your transgression been covered? Let us examine the first preaching of the good news by Apostle Peter, recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 2. In its conclusion, it says in 36 and verse 36 to 28, 38, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We find that they heard the word of God, believed on Jesus as the Christ, repented, and then they were baptized for the remission of their sins and the transgression and make them acceptable to God. The same obedience will obtain forgiveness of our sins. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. A Christian is not perfect. He is forgiven. The gift of forgiveness is costly, but freely given to us through our Lord Jesus. Jesus came to earth to die for us. He meets our deepest needs. Forgiveness. Because we were forgiven, we also have hope. There's a lot of hope verses in the scriptures, but I will discuss only two. The living hope and the blessed hope. Dictionary defines hope as a feeling that it wanted will happen. A desire accompanied by expectation. Hope is a subject that so definitely relates to every believer. When unspeakable tragedy shatters people's lives, they search for answers. There are no easy answers to such big concerns. But to believers, whether we are basking in blessings or grinding through grief, Peter spells this out in his first letter in chapter 1 and verse 3 to Christians. He said, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In glowing terms, Apostle Peter praises God for our new birth into a living hope through our salvation. Let me share you a story during World War II. I mentioned this before, the first time that I spoke here. During World War II, this is about Japanese kamikazes. Sensing that Japanese forces has no hope of winning the war against American forces, Vice Admiral Takehiro Onishi, commander of Japanese naval forces in the Philippines, concluded 
that his only method would be to cross-dive bomb-laden zero fighters on the U.S. carrier decks. And some 4,000 aviators deliberately cross-dived their planes into American ships as the war in the Pacific closed in on their homeland. They are called kamikaze flyers. That's what will happen without hope. Once you feel hopeless, this will affect your whole being, your disposition, your thinking, decisions sometimes resulted to depression and suicide. The hope Christ offered us is ultimate and eternal. The means of that hope from him provides basis every day optimism, even in discouraging times. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The word anchor is an iron weight with flocks lowered from a vessel as by cable to prevent drifting. And the word sure means that will not fail, that cannot be doubted or questioned, it is certain. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. When these verses were written, many trials, problems confronted Christians, not unlike it is today. In time of distress, it is easy for us to let doubt gnaw at us, eroding our faith. It is through this hope that we are empowered to live and survive. The key word is, he is faithful that promise. Family may fail us and friends may betray us, but God will always do what he says he will. Sometimes we promise things, but as much as we want to fulfill our promises, we cannot because of limited capability. But God is able and capable to do all, even the impossible to us. When God spoke the words, let there be light, and indeed there was light. In Psalms 133 verse 9 says, for he spoke and it came to be, he commands and it stood firm. God never promised trials would not come, but his promises help us to overcome so that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Romans 8.28 God will not remove all the thorns from our lives, but he will give us the strength we need when we encounter it. It is true that living hope that we are empowered, that hope is based on the promises of God because God is faithful that promise. The second is the blessed hope. Titus 2.13 says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The Christian blessed hope referred to in Titus 2.13 is the eminent personal Return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word hope here does not imply uncertainty as in the case that we use, I hope so. 
The Greek word here means a joyful and confident expectation, and this hope is joyful and confident expectation because it is based upon the promise of God or the Lord Himself. In John 14, in verse 1 to 3, it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are so many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. It is very significant that our Lord promised of heaven and of his desire that his own should have untroubled hearts. How we need to understand and know and apply this cure for many of us are anxious. We are oftentimes lonely and sad, feel hopeless, struggling. This seems to be the cry of humanity. Is there any hope? Hope indeed is the basis of all human existence in Christ. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope begins with the relationship with God. God reserves his best for his children and offers us his best. But we can only receive it through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. True hope is available to us. True hope is not wishful thinking. It is faith in facts. What a, wonderful, what, what a wonderful hope that God will keep his promise. That God will always do what he says he will. That is the assurance of hope we have. For it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. With hope comes peace. I think I feel peace now. In many pulpits during Yolitide season, this scripture from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 will be read, reminding that the Messiah is our Prince of Peace. It says, For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We know life is full of stress and strain. We experience it ourselves in the house, in our jobs, in our works, wherever. We experience it ourselves. Sometimes we have 30 minutes or 15 minutes break in our job. But the Lord doesn't limit to 15 or 30 minutes of peace per day. His peace is perpetual, permanent, and pervades every moment of every day for those who love Him. Important peace talks are being made before the United Nations. And the world is longing for peace. We long to see the dove of peace alighting on a world of friendliness and tranquility in our troubled world. But one of the poets wisely declared, there is no peace. And he said, save in the heart of home with God. 
The peace for which the world battles is not offered by the world and not to be found in its madness. But the Prince of Peace came offering something better. In John chapter 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Where we can find peace, that's the question that we need to ask. This is where peace is to be found. In Romans chapter 5 in verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 26-27 explains, For you are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. One is just not a child of God until he has done that, until one has been led by his faith in Christ to repent and be baptized. Colossians 3, 5 says, Let the peace of God roll in your hearts to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. This is the kind of peace that the world cannot give. That one body in which we were called that we should be thankful is the church, according to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. It is by faith in Christ that we are brought to him and find this peace, his body, which is the church, his family. Let me tell the story of Alfred Nobel. I know you know him. Alfred Nobel made a fortune from invention of dynamite, which changed the course of warfare. Perhaps because of the horrors that was inflicted with the use of dynamite, he made provisions in his will for a prize to be given annually to those who work to promote peace. Today it's called the Nobel Peace Prize. That's how he expressed peace to himself. But God's expression of peace to the world was his son. When Jesus was born, the angel's clear, unmistakable message to the shepherds was, On earth peace, goodwill toward men. In Luke chapter 2 in verse 14, the biblical definition of peace is first of all, peace with God. In Romans 5.1, because in verse 10, sin makes enemies with God. But Jesus coming to this earth and dying on the cross turned away God's wrath. We can now reconcile with him, having put right our relationship with God. Jesus now enables us to work at breaking down between us and others. I believe all of us knows the song that we had sung. We had just sung. Hark the herald angel sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. A loving savior offer peace to us. The prince of peace came to earth to give peace to all who would accept it. Where storms and uncertainties have raised, he can bring peace and blissful calm. There is no burden that he cannot ease. He has never looked upon a hopeless case, nor has he ever failed one who really fully trusted in him. 
If you long for peace for your troubled soul, why not come to Christ and find the peace that He only can give? Remember, true peace is not the absence of war. It is the presence of God. And then, there's joy. I want to show you verses that provides meaning of the word joy. Verses that shows that kind of feeling. Number one, in Luke 15 in verse 9 says, And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. What kind of feeling is that? It is a feeling of relief, a feeling of success. Second is in Luke chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, it says, John the baptizer was commissioned to announce the arrival of the Messiah and seems to begin that mission even before he is born. When Mary, pregnant with the Christ, arrives at the house of Zachariah, John jumps in Elizabeth's womb. A feeling of excitement. Third, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, the song of Mary herself. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. A blessed feeling. The angels called their message of the Savior good tidings of great joy. That is recorded in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. And in 11, he says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you this day in the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The word joys occurs 192 times in the scriptures, not counting words like rejoice, cheer, gladness. Someone suggests to those who feel blue and lonely to read joy verses. But if you don't have time for all the references, just focus on the book of Psalms and in the New Testament epistles. Joy verses will pump morale into our spirit like helium into a balloon. Let me share you the story of a preacher. There was a stern minister who preached a sermon on tears of Jesus. He said, three times we read, Jesus wept but never read that he smiled. A little girl below, forgetting herself, exclaimed, Oh, but I know he did. Shocked, the minister said, Why do you say that, my child? Frightened with all eyes on her, she said, Because the Bible says he called the little child, and he came to him. If Jesus had looked like you, I know the child would have been afraid to come. Don't you know that a 12-year-old girl in Winnipeg, Canada, Winnipeg, Canada, held a smile on her face for 10 hours, 5 minutes, establishing a new world record. Her name is Lisa Lester. Lisa Lester won the Smiling Marathon of the Manitoba Province Dental Association. The longest smile recorded in the Guinness Book of World Record was 7 hours 32 minutes. Lisa broke also an unofficial record smile of 8 hours 20 minutes accomplished in front of Canada. 
I'm glad knowing this because I'm in Winnipeg. We desperately need joy in these days. If you remember the news came of the tragic death of comedian Robin Williams, prompting us to wonder someone filled with laughter could in reality be so sad. In Luke chapter 15 verse 7, Jesus says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Jesus painted the scene of great rejoicing in heaven when sinners turned back to God. But here was joy down here related to that which was up there. For he said to his disciples in Luke chapter 10 and verse 20, Rejoice, not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. With eyes of faith, we can see our names written there and rejoice. The crowning revelation of heaven was given to the beloved John on the island of Patmos. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 to 4 says, And I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem, and I heard a great voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I believe we know the song, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. To conclude, Christians don't depend on luck or destiny. We have grace. We've been reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and that provides absolute forgiveness, wonderful hope, and abiding peace that passes all understanding and a joy the world didn't give and the world cannot take away. Thank you.